over the course of doing the blog, the podcast, and teaching people to cook in person, I've noticed three common cooking mistakes that people make over and over again. They don't let their pans heat up or they overcrowd them, they under-season or don't season at all, and they don't plan or do proper preparation. Now, on the surface, these three common cooking mistakes may not seem like that big a deal, but when you look a little bit deeper, what becomes clear is that fixing these three common cooking mistakes completely changes how people cook. Today, we're going to look in depth at these three common cooking mistakes. We're going to talk about why they're actually big problems and how they're holding people back. And we're going to figure out how to solve them in an easy and straightforward manner. Now, if you feel like you make these mistakes, this episode is for you and will help to make you a better cook. If you don't make these mistakes, share it with someone who you think does, because everyone deserves to be able to cook. I'm Chef Ben. This is Food in 5. And this is three common mistakes people make when cooking and how to fix them. Number one, preheating slash overcrowding the pan. Why is it important to preheat your pan? Problem one, has this ever happened to you? You're making a stir fry or searing meat, happily cooking along, but then all of a sudden your pan fills with liquid. Instead of stir-frying or searing, you seem to just be boiling your food. The food comes out tough and soggy rather than crisp and tender. So why did this happen? You guessed it, because your pan wasn't hot enough. When food is cooked, it releases moisture. When moisture hits a hot surface, it evaporates, turns into steam, and floats up into the air. If the surface that the moisture is hitting isn't hot enough, rather than evaporating, it just accumulates and pools in the bottom of the pan. This is actually a double-edged sword because the more pooled liquid that accumulates, the more the temperature of the pan drops, and then the more pooled liquid accumulates. Problem two, imagine once again that you're happily cooking along. Let's say you're once again searing meat. You add a bit of oil to the pan, then add in the meat. You let it cook for a minute or two, but then when you go to turn it, you realize that the meat is stuck to the surface of the pan. It's not just a little stuck, it's almost like someone super glued it to the pan. What went wrong? You guessed it again, the pan wasn't hot enough. When a steak hits a hot surface, something known as the Milliard reaction happens. What this means is that a chemical reaction is happening when the heat is applied to amino acids and sugars in the meat. All this really means is that the surface of the meat turns brown. That browning creates a smooth surface that won't bond with the pan. You'll notice this a lot if you're cooking on a barbecue that hasn't been properly preheated. Fixing this mistake. The obvious way to fix this mistake is to put your pan on the burner and let it sit for a few minutes. This freaks some people out and I get it. You don't want to wreck your pan, you don't want to start a fire, whatever. Also, knowing how long to let the pan sit can be difficult. This is especially true because some pans, like heavy steel pans or cast iron pans, take a while to heat up. But this also depends on the type of stove you have. The easiest answer I can give you is 2-5 to minutes. The best way to check to see if your pan is hot is to splash a little water on it. Just run your hand under the faucet for a second, then flick your fingers at the pan. If the water sizzles and evaporates quickly, or if a droplet bounces around the surface of the pan, it's hot enough. Just make sure there's no oil in the pan if you're going to test it with water. Also, on that note, always heat the pan and then add the oil or fat right before adding the food. Just think hot pan, cold oil. Overcrowding. Sometimes you may properly heat your pan, but you still get that pooling in the bottom. This is likely happening due to overcrowding. 
When you're searing meat, you want to make sure that about 30% of the surface of the pan is open. This may mean that you need to sear meat in batches, but it will give you an even sear. Just wait a minute or two for the pan to heat back up before adding batches of meat into the pan. Now, if you're stir frying, you've heated the wok properly and you're still getting pooling, it's the same reason. You're overcrowding. With a wok, it is a little different though. The key here is to add ingredients in stages, giving the wok time to heat back up after every addition. So let's say you put in, uh, you put meat in a nice hot wok. You brown it, then and add onion. Cook the onions for one to two minutes, letting the pan heat up, then add carrots and broccoli. Cook that for two to three minutes, letting the wok heat back up, then baby corn and so on. For the record, this is why I don't like frozen stir-fry vegetables. They cool the wok down and boil rather than stir-fry. Also, you may be saying, but I've seen woks on TV where they just throw everything in and cook it really quickly. Yeah, but those woks are probably over really, really high-powered gas burners. Um, those industrial wok burners are like 40,000 BTUs or something. They're insane. You're not going to get that heat at home. So make sure you're adding things um, in additions, not all at once. Under seasoning. Why is seasoning important? Just to be clear, when I say seasoning, I mean salt and pepper specifically. I'm talking about spices, herbs, and acids, all that is stuff, uh, all that stuff is a post unto itself. Now, seasoning is important, salt specifically, because it is a flavor enhancer. Pepper, on the other hand, is just flavor. So what do I mean by salt is a flavor enhancer? I mean salt makes everything around it taste better. It's important to remember that you should never actually taste salt unless you're eating like potato chips or something. If you do, you've used too much salt and it's a really, really fine balance between too much and just enough. But when you get that balance just right, all the flavors work in harmony and the food is more delicious than it otherwise would have been. How to use salt. The trick with salt is that it is a two-step process that involves one other thing that people don't do nearly enough, tasting the food. I cannot express enough how important it is that you taste what you're cooking. That is the only way to know what is needed uh, and how to make it better. I know this seems obvious to some of you, but I also know that there are a lot of people listening to this who just had a light bulb pop in their heads. It's for the light bulb people that I'm saying this. The general rule for salt is to use a little in the beginning, uh, then taste near the end of cooking and add salt as needed. Taste and adjust as needed, always adding salt in small increments. How do you know you've used enough salt? The easy answer for me to give you is you've used enough salt when the food tastes as good as you think it can. But I also know that this is not really a helpful statement, but it is true. Here's the thing about food and taste. It is subjective. If you like how it tastes, then stop seasoning. However, before you do, ask yourself one simple question. Is this as good as it can be, or can I make it better? If you think it is as good as it can be, then stop and enjoy it. Otherwise, keep adjusting. But remember, if the food starts to taste salty, you've gone too far, and there really is no fix for that. What type of salt should you use? There is a problem with regular table salt. Two problems, actually. The first problem is that it tastes terrible. It really does. Second problem is that it doesn't dissolve evenly in food. So what can happen is you season a soup, stew, or whatever. You taste, add more seasoning, taste, add more until you get it right. But then as the food sits, all that salt starts to dissolve into the food. And when you go back to it, all that food is all of a sudden very salty and you don't know why. That's why. 
Now, I generally recommend that people use either kosher salt or sea salt in cooking. The flavor is much better than table salt, and both of these salts, kosher salt especially, dissolve evenly and quickly in food. Both can be found at your local grocery store. What about seasoning vegetables and meat? Well, you can't really taste a steak as it's cooking to be able to tell if it is seasoned enough. Really, that isn't the end of the world. People can always add a bit of salt later if they want. However, I would say that when seasoning a steak or pork chop or chicken breast or something like that, you're going to want to use more than you think you should. People have a tendency to just lightly sprinkle a bit of salt on a piece of meat, about the same amount they would put on a scoop of mashed potatoes, but it's not enough. Think about it this way. There is no seasoning on the inside of the meat. It's all on the outside. So the exterior seasoning has to be enough that it flavors every bite. Be generous and you will be happy. When it comes to seasoning vegetables, most can be tasted. You can pick up a spoonful of peas or a green bean or a piece of carrot and taste it to see if it has enough seasoning. It's the same process as before. Season, taste, season, taste. Poor planning. There is a saying that I love that goes like this. Failing to plan is planning to fail. Now, I'm not saying that you need to sit down and map out every step you're going to make in the kitchen, but you should have all your ingredients handy and know the steps you're going to make uh, to make the meal you want. Obviously, if you're following a recipe, this won't be that big of an issue because it'll all be laid out for you. The other important part of this is preparing your ingredients. When it actually comes down to cooking, things can happen pretty fast. If you're reaching around in a cupboard for a specific spice or try to chop garlic while you're sauteing your onions, things can go bad quickly. The remedy to this problem is pretty simple. Gather your ingredients and do any chopping slash slicing before you start cooking. This way, when you need to add something to the pot, you have it at hand and ready to go. This is a very simple way to fix a very serious problem. Now, I do understand that this may extend your total time in the kitchen slightly, but it will allow you to be more relaxed, take your time to make sure your, the food comes out exactly how you want, and do cleanup as you go. All of this will make the cooking process more enjoyable and relaxing. Conclusion. Like anything, cooking is a skill that can be learned and honed over time, but that's the key. It takes time. Be patient and accept small wins as successes. And that's it. That's it for today. I'm Chef Ben. This is Food in 5, brought to you by HowToNotBurnShit.com, your modern culinary manual. Of course, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Chef Ben Kelly, and on Facebook on the Food in 5 Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash Food in 5. Uh, and if you know someone who could benefit from this post today, because I feel like there's a lot of really good information in this, if you feel like you know someone who could use this, then please share it with them. Tell them about it, because I just want more people to cook. Um... Thank you, as always, for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another fantastic episode of Food and 5. I'll talk to you soon.